Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and all you enthusiasts of the automobile. It's time for GTFM Radio to move up a gear. It's time for Driver's Seat. Your favourite monthly motoring magazine, but of course on the radio, only on GTFM 107.9 and online at gtfm.co.uk. And the man who will be keeping these things on track, GTFM's resident motoring guru, Mr Ian Edwards. Well, good evening, boys and girls. This is Ian Edwards, and welcome along to the December edition of Driver's Seat, broadcast live and exclusive from the Driver's Seat Garage on GTFM 107.9 and online at gtfm.co.uk. And it's available all across planet Earth on your smart speakers and phones and smart whatever else you've got. I think that's covered everything. And uh, Driver's Seat is again, as we do, twinned with the Boston Classic Car Club in Lincolnshire. And joining me in the garage tonight, and it is packed, right? Let's just say it is packed. Um, uh, Just before nine uh, this evening, uh, we will be speaking to Mr. James Walsh of Practical Classics. Now, uh, uh, James and the Practical Classics guy will guys will be doing their usual tour of uh, of Britain in May. And this time, having done it twice before this time, they're looking for car clubs to be nominated that they can visit. So. If there are any car clubs listening in Wales, come on, boys, get your votes in. And where you need to get your votes in and what it's all about in the details, you'll be finding out, but you'll have to stay tuned till I speak to James. Uh, Before James, I shall be speaking to Felix Page on his Corvette, but don't tell him yet, because he's in here to talk about taking cars, as in taking pictures of cars, not taking cars, um, taking pictures of cars, but I'm sure there'll be a little Corvette chat in amongst... uh, in amongst that conversation. How's that? Right, before that, and just after eight o'clock, we are going to have on the telephone Russell Lord. Russell who are you, you say? Russell Lord. Now, Russell is in the monumental task moment of putting together a very, very, very special Mark II Escort model made out of silver with gold bits on it. He's actually a jeweller, in London, and he's putting this car together to raise money for charity. And, well, we just had to get him on, didn't we? I mean, everybody else has interviewed him, so he's just saved the best till last. That would be us. Um, Right, now, in the first hour, Sean Dodd, and uh, who's sobered up since his decision to um, sort a soapbox race in Caffili Town. When I said, you know, how drunk were you when you thought of it? And apparently he wasn't. It was the next day when he was recovering. And uh, with him will be his young son, Ryan. And also uh, we'll have Elliot uh, from Penarth, not part of England. Let's get that one out of the way. From Penarth, uh, where they hold uh, another go-kart race. So it's certainly going to be a big mixed bag of stuff, as I said to you. Right, and finally, actually first, um, I'll be speaking to Matt Penny, who is the um, road safety officer from the RCT Road Safety Unit, and he'll be chatting about all things uh, about driver education and all things connected 
with that. So what better way, given that it's probably the closest you're going to get to a Christmas driver's seat, uh, than playing a bit of Chris Rea? So, let's get on with the show. This is John Simpson, President of Boston Classic Car Club, Lincolnshire. You're listening to Driver's Seat with Ian Edwards on GTFM 107.9. Driver's Seat. Big hello to uh, those who have to drive home for Christmas. Right, one man who probably won't have to drive very far to go home for Christmas is <laughs> Matt Penny. Good evening, Matt. Good evening. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Now then, so your title as road safety officer from RCT, from the RCT Road Safety Unit. So let's kick off by what is your MO? What's your main objective with that road safety unit? So our objective is to reduce the amount of people killed or seriously injured on the roads of Rondekin and Taff. Um, And we aim to do that through road safety intervention and education. So we are not involved with um, any speed cameras or traffic calming. We deal with education. That is our objective. So to give you a bit of an idea, last year there were over 4,000 road traffic incidents in Wales and out of those incidents there were 6,000 recorded casualties and from those there were 103 deaths and 961 uh, serious injuries so it's quite a lot of people who are being affected by collisions in Wales so we want to try and reduce that number to you know zero really Um, but some of those uh, uh, serious injuries or all those serious injuries are going to be uh, life-changing injuries. So I'm not talking about broken bones. It's going to be, um, you know, loss of limbs, loss of sight, brain damage, things that are really affecting people's lives. Um, and we educate uh, people through all walks of life around the kind of TAF, ranging from nursery and reception, school children, all the way up to uh, over 60s. So going from the first year in school up to the the latter years of life so we do everybody it's about 80 percent i'd say is in schools um because we t- do try and get them young um but we do a lot of stuff outside of schools as well like um adult cycle training uh we do a course with over 60s called drive safer for longer and we do plus plus cymru which a lot of people probably have heard of plus plus especially if they're going through their um their driving test at the moment and and education and I mean look, well, let's put it this way I mean okay you've hit the ground running with the figures and, and quite right too um, so I guess you, you would have to say the obvious thing that if that was an ec- epidemic of some kind then obviously there'd be outcry mm. where it's almost dare I say it to some people in some eyes it's like well this just happens but I mean having sort of um, I took my advanced test and I was lucky enough to be taught by an ex-police instructor and actually there is no reason why accidents can't be avoided if the driver is educated well enough and as you quite rightly say with regard to school kids is getting them young how how do you find the the parents reacting when their kids get educated so early i, I guess that's got to be a positive thing isn't it oh yeah parents. definitely i mean a lot of um uh, parents and teachers we deal with in schools they remember being taught the green cross code when they were in school and they're happy that their children are getting taught the same thing as well because ultimately it's a life lesson um if if they don't uh, exercise those cautions as adults 
is going to have the same outcome as children. So getting them in young to teach them basic road safety information is crucial so the parents love us doing it the kids love doing it because it's practical we take them out onto the streets we don't just go into the class and say this is how to behave we take them out and we show them and we repeat uh the same messages so it's it's drummed into them so that they know what they are supposed to be doing mm. and and let's not forget of course is that holding a driving license is a privilege not a right yeah and therefore uh i mean i remember a, a program on the bbc a few years ago and they were showing school children some pretty horrof horrif- <laughs> yeah horrific um videos yeah uh really were bad but it kind of got the point across in the sense that actually you've got you're in charge of a machine yeah that can actually kill people let's not beat about the bush here yeah and if you uh don't pilot that correctly then you're going to kill someone yeah exactly i mean um a lot of people use the word accident when it comes to things that uh, on the roads but it's roughly 98 percent of um collisions on the road are human error so you know your car might be in really good condition but if you're not paying attention to the road properly or you're not driving to the conditions that you're in then you're going to get possibly involved in a collision but a lot of people use the word accident because it's a little bit more palatable i suppose but a lot of the time it's it's down to human error because they're not concentrating somehow mm. so. and, and of course you've, you've you've got the biggest um killer of all if you like is pride from the individual driver who thinks I can drive, and, and yeah. same with your your, your older uh, groups of um, yeah. people that you're teaching. They think, oh, I've been driving for years, <laughs> but actually, you can never stop learning oh, definitely. In, in your experience. But it, yeah, I'm, I mean, with the older drivers, especially for the over, over 60s, some people will actively seek for our help to say, well, I haven't driven for a number of years, um, so I'd like to have a brush-up and a refresher of my driving. But then some people will say to us, well, I've been driving 50 years and I've never had a, a crash, so why do I need to do this training? But a lot of people pick up bad habits, don't realise they've picked them up, and they don't realise that maybe they might have done something which was a really close call, but because nobody's pulled them up on it, they still think they're a fantastic driver. And it's only when an outside expert... Um, so, like, uh, an uh, approved driving instructor will take them out for a little drive and just pick them up on the bad thing, bad habits they've, um, you know, accumulated over the 30-odd years of driving that they've had. And the driving course we do for over 60s, every single person who has done it has walked away from it and either recommended their friends or they've wanted to come and do it again because it's just such a good day out and it's um, they're getting so much education uh, without even realising it, really. And, and again, from that point of view, I suppose the obvious statement to make, if somebody is a grandparent, you can then say to them, well, look, what if you ran over some, some other grandparents, grandson or daughter? Yeah. How would you feel if that was yours? It's unsettled. Yeah. That's the reality of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's in the same way as, you know, with cars being as they are, you're in a bubble. Yeah. Well, as soon as you're exposed to the reality, you then, well, actually should make a difference to your efforts to improve your driving yeah, standards. Yeah, exactly. Like, newer cars um, do so much of the work for you that they didn't used to do 30, 40 years ago. And some people are just so on autopilot, even more so than ever before, because their car is doing so much for them. Um, I mean, my car is quite old. It's 15-year-old Focus, so i still got to do everything. Um, but newer cars... The amount they do for the driver, even though you've got a wheel in front of you and you are driving that car, 
you are in some way a passenger because it is doing so much for you and people are sometimes too relaxed and it's never there's never a a, a time where you've learnt everything there is to learn you can always refresh your driving skills mm. and of course there's those distractions aren't there you know i mean a mobile phone you're not supposed to use by law oh yeah and yet the distractions that are on some modern cars yeah is is incredible you want to change the heating you've got to go into a sub menu i mean that's, yeah, that's ridiculous cr- it is crazy i mean like you said about mobile phones a lot of people still don't even realize that the the fine from a mobile phone has gone up to 200 pounds and the amount of points you get now is six points a lot of people still think it's uh three points and 100 pound fine but that went up um beginning of this year and some people th- still think that this um they're allowed to use it when they're sat in traffic or um you know sat at a set of traffic lights or something but if you are in control of a car and you're using a phone, then in the eyes of the law and the eyes of the police, then you are committing an offence if it's a handheld mobile yeah. device. And I mean, the only the only way you wouldn't be committing an offence would be engine off, handbrake up. Yeah, if you're parked, then you can yeah. use your phone because you're, yeah. you're parked up then yeah. and you, your car is safe. Yeah, but that's yeah, right. Like you said, there's so many distractions, though. I... Um, so many cars now have got big screens in them, um, to taking the driver's attention away from what should be the road. And you glance at something in the vehicle in your car for two seconds, and you've travelled the length of half a football pitch. So while you're messing about with, um, you know, changing the radio station or changing your heating settings, what are you missing? That's in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, is there a child about to step out? Or mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people do go on autopilot and they are not concentrating really on what's really going on in front of them and and the other thing of course is that i mean i've been accused by my son of being paranoid when i'm driving but actually sadly you have to be it's not a question of you know i mean people who go for gaps for example i think well i don't know the other person coming the other way yeah that's why i tend to be over cautious because perhaps they can't judge a gap yeah whereas and other people go oh i'll go for that yeah ah. and this is where a lot of the um uh you learn after you've got your driving license really don't know so like when we deliver pass plus a lot of people who've just got their driving license obviously it's a big milestone in their life which is fantastic but that's the point where you really start learning how to drive and how other people um interact with you and you know what you should be doing on the road yes you can drive a car but you know you really start learning your lessons then when you're on the road but and then when we do things like pass plus to get um years worth of knowledge into these brand new drivers before they actually hit the road is is really uh, vital to them really valuable so and of course then if you're serious about your driving i mean i was lucky enough i knew someone who had an instructor who was an ex-police instructor so yeah. from that then you're looking at the institute of advanced motorists oh, is yeah. probably the most well known yeah and actually that means that you have to be 100 percent eyes on stalks for an yeah. hour and a half and you're covering some various traffic conditions from lanes to motorways. Yeah. And when I was taught, it was like you had to do exactly 30. Mm. 31 wasn't good enough. 29 wasn't fast enough. It had to be 30, that yeah. sort of thing. So in terms of actual tangible delivery of education then what would you do working from school children up? What do you actually do with them? Uh, well, how long have we got? <laughs> it well, we've got about 10 minutes. So come on. <laughs> right. In a nutshell, um, we work from nursery to year two. Um, we do practical um, uh, road safety education. So especially with year two, we'll take them out in the communities and show them how to cross the road, um, which hopefully sticks with them. 
uh, jumping in up to year five and six, we teach uh, cycling. So we do cycle training. Uh, used to be called the cycling proficiency, which a lot of people remember. But now it's called the national standard for cycling or national standard cycle training. Take out year fives and six. Um, and we do level one, which is in the school environment. And then we take them out onto the nearby streets um, and do level two training, which is basic knowledge of how to uh, position yourself on the road how to uh, signal turn out of junctions that sort of thing um, then jumping again up to years um, 11 and 12 we do pre-driver um, education so people who are about to start learning to drive um, we'll do operations uh, not operations sorry we'll do uh, interventions with the police, South Wales Police and South Wales Fire and Rescue Service. We will go into a school and uh, give them lots and lots of education which will hopefully um, make them safe passengers and safe drivers because one thing that people don't really think about that much is when you're a brand new driver, um, having people in your car isn't always a good mix because you've got peer pressure added on to that. So we try and educate that even though you're not driving the car, you've still got a big influence on how it is driven. So if you're giving the driver peer pressure or you're messing about inside the car, that could then cause the car to crash and everybody in the car could then be a statistic. So, And I mean, from that point of view, then, it's all about getting across just how important it is to drive well and safely. Yeah, You know, I yeah, mean, it, as, as much as it's sort of a, an exciting thing to get a car, you have a responsibility, not only to yourself, not only to those in the car, but other cars on the road. Yeah, exactly. Like you said earlier on, which I I love the saying that you said earlier on, that driving is a, a privilege, not a right. A lot of people, as soon as they get in the car, they think they own the road. Um, they, you know, you obviously don't own the road, but there's so many ways you can have your licence taken away from you, and we try and go into these schools to just really educate people to say well we want you to have a joyful exciting time when you're driving we don't want you to make these mistakes that thousands and thousands of other people have made to have your license taken off you or possibly seriously injure or kill somebody else we want you to enjoy it safely um and that's really prevalent this time of year for drink driving um the police um have launched their uh drink driving campaign for this time of year and unfortunately uh last year around december in wales there was 530 people arrested for drink driving just in december um and out of those it was 207 from south wales so it's quite a lot of people getting arrested for drink driving and a lot of people will go out say on a friday night and go to work on a saturday and they've still got you know quite a lot of alcohol in their system mm. which will uh, well i mean that's the big thing isn't it you think oh no i've slept yeah Actually, exactly it's still in there yeah and that's when the accident's gonna happen first yeah. thing in the morning yeah and you know the consequences of drink driving if you don't kill somebody or yourself you can end up with um you know a minimum of a year's driving ban an, an unlimited fine so you could get fined tens and tens of thousands of pounds you could serve uh six months in prison and of course have a criminal record and then on top of that you've got possibly no car no job and before you know it you've gone from having a few too many pints the night before to having nothing you could have lost your house lost your car lost your driving license and like you said a lot of people don't re don't realise how much they actually rely on their car, you know, to get to work, which then pays for everything they have, including their house. And you know, if you lose your licence, then you've pretty much lost most of your life, really. That's right. For and, some people, and at the end of the day, it's your fault. 
Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's no, you know, exactly. you, you come back to the reference of accidents. They're not accidents. Yeah. Somebody is at fault. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, you can be as proud as you like, but if you've made a mistake... Yeah. I mean, I, I think the thing that scares me on the road is not that, as humans, we have to minimise our mistakes, and we are humans, and we make misjudgments now and again. And it's always... If ever I make a misjudgment, I, I put a call out to another driver, look, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, there's some drivers who simply don't get that, as in... No. No, it's not a mistake. Actually, it is. No, it's not. Yeah. And that's the scariest of all, you know? That's yeah. like an evil person thinking they're actually doing right. Yeah, exactly. Sort of thing. So, right, just to wrap it up now then, um, any individual good stories or anything of people who have gone on the courses? Anything you can tell us about that that maybe we, you got tucked away? We we have lots and lots of uh, broad feedback from people who enjoy the courses. We go on, like I said earlier, the, the older drivers... They're always very nervous going into the dri- the overdrivers course because they think it's a test and they think they're going to be licensed taken off them, but it's completely not that. We have lots and lots of good feedback from that. Any adult cycling we do, we have lots of feedback from the cycling we do with them to say how much more confident they feel on the road now as a cyclist. And um, if anybody did want to do anything like that with us, they're more than welcome to give us a, a call or um, get in touch with us via email, and we can um, we can you know discuss any options with them if they want to receive some extra training and where do they get in touch with you um well they can either give us a call um and our number is well better off calling the switchboard number for rct which is 01443 well remembered well remembered <laughs> yeah that's not written down um and then they'll get put through to road safety so if they mm-hmm. just ask to speak to road safety they'll speak to one of the team there's only four of us on the team so mm-hmm. they won't get put through to a huge call center there's four of us um one of them being me and we can have a chat to them then about anything they want to talk mm-hmm. about so even if there's something i've not mentioned tonight um that they think we might be able to help with definitely get in touch and we'll um a chat to him. Okay, well I think what we can do is maybe, do you remember those old sort of road information films and the safety films yeah, yeah. that used to be? Maybe what we can do is maybe give you, I don't know, maybe a 30 second, 45 second thing on every driver's seat show and oh, yeah. read out something separate there. Yeah. See, being a committee one is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. So we're going to do that, alright? Right. We're going to do that, alright? I've just decided. So there you go. <laughs> and I'll leave you with this then. Your job, obviously, yep. you make a difference in people's lives and literally Hopefully. save lives without reasoning it. Yeah. Any particular moment for you or any particular time that somebody said something, was grateful for that? Any particular moment you can remember? I I always like doing the... Um, we do an operation called Options where we work with the police and the fire service again and we try and target people that are either not wearing a seatbelt or using a mobile phone and they don't realise how much of uh, autopilot mode they're in and not wearing their seatbelt and we can, we bring them in give them some education and then they'll come out of it and you can see there's like a, a physical change in them where they've thought oh do you know what i do need to you know wise up a bit really and make sure i got my seatbelt on because i've got a family waiting at home for me um and they want me to get home safely so it's always good to see people maybe being pulled over by the police they're not very happy with it their body language is telling you everything you need to know but then they come back out and they seem to be very happy after doing it because they know that there's a reason why they've been stopped. It's not because we want money from them, it's because we want them to get home safe to their families. Excellent, Matt. You've been an absolute... Well, you, you, you're a star. You're a radio star. We've got to get you on again. Thank you. But genuinely, <laughs> we've got to do this 45-second thing. Okay. So, we're, we're, so we'll, we'll go and sort that out. So Smash next in. month, we will be, the, we'll be doing the first one. I'm just making this up as I go along, but That's it good. sounds fine to me. <laughs> uh, but um, Matthew Penny... 
Thank you very, very much. Thanks indeed. for having me. New radio pleasure. star. Thank you. <laughs> this is Emily Williams, team leader from Cardiff Racing, and you're listening to Driver's Seat with Ian Edwards on GTFM 107.9. Right, as I said last month, uh, isn't it nice for of Ed Sheeran to actually write um, a song about Caffilly Castle? Uh, good evening, Sean Dodd. Good evening, Ian. How are you? I'm fine, I'm fine. It, was, it, it almost feels like a month ago that we had you on the phone from downtown Cornwall. Well, I see your suntan's gone a bit. <laughs> faded somewhat, yes. <laughs> faded somewhat. Um, right, and with you... All the way from um, Penarth, which is not part of England, obviously is Elliot... Penn. Elliot Penn. Yes, hello. Right, hello. Right then, Elliot. Um, I tell you what, we'll start with you now then, because Sean's all raring to go, so I thought, <laughs> right, we leave him go. Um, Elliot, um, you run a go-kart race by the title of what in Penarth? Uh, the Penarth Downhill Derby. Right, okay, well that's original, but alright then. So, so again, I mean, it's all, in all fairness to Sean, um, how drunk were you uh, um, when you thought this would be a good idea? Yeah, yeah. Weirdly, completely sober. Right, um, okay. So what was the catalyst then, putting my sensible hat on for about two seconds? Um, I have to say, uh, Jerry Cross, who is my co-host, his son, Jamie, it was his initial idea and then two old old enough to know better kids me and jerry um took it and ran with it and it's grown into the event that we've got now um so how many how many carts and how many people sort of take part this uh we've been doing it eight years and this year we had oh about 18 carts um, where is the where is the course the course runs from the cliff tops down to the lifeboat station in panath of cliff hill um on the promenade um and there is a very tight chicane there's uh two jumps first one cracks a part of the cart the second one breaks it and we've got a um car wash which is manned by cubs and brownies with massive super soakers who absolutely soak the racers. Okay, that's fine. That's interesting then. So with regard to health and safety now, then, <laughs> it's been a journey of, of sort of doing it properly. And, and I guess it's been a bit of an uphill journey. But um, you were saying earlier, be, before we came on air now, that, that if it wasn't for the town council here, it would have been far more difficult. So you have huge support from them, don't you? Um, uh, Penarth Town, uh, Town Council have been amazing. Um, Nick MacDonald, who's now our go-to guy on PTC, is just superb. And I have to give special thanks to Kerry Hutchins, who's the former... Um, assistant town clerk who without him we would not have got anywhere I don't think um, his enthusiasm for it was um, was exceptional he, he he helped us so much um, 
and I mean, I'm a bit sad he's not at Penarth Town Council anymore, but with Nick, we've got um, another key ally who really helps. Okay, so say, for example, now you were in a radio studio and you were sat next to somebody. Yeah, no, that's fine. Actually, we're, we're, we're in my kitchen just having a chat. Um, and you were sat next to somebody who, say, had never organised a go-kart uh, event before and they were wondering on the best advice you can give them. So, um, in a couple of minutes, what sort of advice would you give, say, this mythical person who sat next to you by the name of Sean Dodd, <laughs> for example? <laughs> what advice would you give? Come on. I was going to say, let's call him Sean. So just, <laughs> just pick a name out of the air. Um, I, first thing I would say was, was get the council on board. Without their help and without them really wanting the event to take place you're going to struggle and having allies and people who are enthusiastic about your event on the council um was it Caffilly town council is yeah uh, county borough for Caffilly, but yeah. yeah um there's a town council well. with 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 them on board um you will get far more and get far further um that would be my first thing um masses of enthusiasm and a group of people around you with different skills and different um abilities who who have the same enthusiasm and and I, and I guess something which I've learned over the years, it's a case of there's never a no answer. It's a case of, well, OK, we've got a problem. What do we do to fix it? That is vital, isn't it, in it, terms it, of getting things done? Yeah, totally. Um, it, <laughs> I mean, we, we, we write uh, a long list of rules and regs, but if um, someone turns up on the day and their cart is, let's say, not quite uh, meeting... Up to the FAA uh, standards. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 as long as they can stop, we do not turn them away. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because they, they, if you turn someone away who's built a cart, they will never come back to you. Mm. And how much would you say in terms of impact in, in terms of tourism? Bearing in mind you've got Penarth anyway, which is a lovely front. But in terms of tourism, um, what, what date do you have it normally then? Um, normally it's the first or second Saturday in July, which is um, we were part of the carnival. We stepped outside of the carnival for one year and had our own standalone downhill derby day. Um, which was a great success. Um, with ever-shrinking budgets, we've had to step back into the carnival. Um, but I have to say, um, from my perspective, is that Penarth Downhill Derby now is probably the main event for the carnival. Um, it's grown to a point where we have people uh, f- taking part from Gloucester. Um, there's a... Uh, there's a man who flies back from Vietnam to coincide with Penarth Downhill Derby, who enters with his dad. We get um, there's a, a pair of racers who have taken part who now live in France who come back. It is it, it, the crowds that we get. You know, it's a thousand plus people um, when you see people. You know. Uh, full pavement thickness you know you've you've got the crowds and um, 
Panas taking it on board as well. Mm. And and I guess you've got to say it. You've got, you've got to take that pride in the sense it was all from an idea. Yeah, thanks to Jamie um, and the three of us and Kerry. Um, Jamie's too cool to take part now, <laughs> but he still helps. I mean, he's he's eighteen now. He's way too. Oh cool. yeah, yeah. Eighteen is a cool age. Yeah, really? he's yeah, way yeah. too cool. Almost to take as part. cool as a, as an early teenager. But yeah, no, yeah. that's fine. We've all um, been there. <laughs> and it, it's um. I love the enthusiasm of the racers. Hmm. Well, that's it. It's all about passion, having a bit of harmless fun. And do do any charities benefit? Do do any in any way, or is it just stands on its own in that sense? It's, yeah, it's just for it's just for giggles, basically. Yeah. Um, and and uh, that's a good excuse. Yeah, that's the, a good excuse. Do it for the sake of doing it. Yeah, yeah. What is it? Men, men, um, uh, sort of women <coughs> grow up and men just grow old. <laughs> <laughs> it's as simple as that, isn't it? Right, Elliot, that was absolutely brilliant. Oh, I've never okay. been on the radio before. You nailed it, mate. <laughs> you nailed it. You nailed it. Um, right, so, young man, you've had all the advice now, so you know exactly what's going to happen. So, indeed, moving past the how drunk were you, and you said <laughs> it was the next day when you had a coffee and you were inspired by a certain uh, race that you saw on a certain channel, uh, yes. sponsored by a certain energy drink, and there are other energy uh, drinks available. <laughs> so, so, where are we now? in terms of the event, in terms of the structure of it, and how is it going forward. So what date is it, by the way, that you're planning So for we're it? planning for the August bank holiday 2019. That's where, that's the aim. So that, that bank holiday weekend, we've, we're looking for the Saturday of the weekend, so we'll close the main road of Caffili and, and do the Caffili soapbox race right through the centre of the town. But where we are is we're still on a journey, if we're honest, Ian. We're not there yet. We've got the backing of the council. Um, the, the events manager for the town council, uh, the, uh, the borough council, is with us. We've met with the ESAG committee, which is the events safety and advisory group, and they're giving us their backing. Um, they've asked us to go away and do a risk assessment and an emergency plan, which is a standard documentation that you need for these kind of events. Um, so no problem there. We've, mm, we've maybe, maybe we know somebody. Uh, we know somebody from Penarth, maybe. Well, that might, funny might you should be say that. You, yeah, funny you should say that. But yes, yeah, so be, let's call him Elliot. Yes. for example, or Nick, <laughs> on, on one of Elliot's uh, co-hosts, Nick. Yeah, so they've been Penarth have been fantastically helpful with us so they've they've given us some of these documentation and and some of these pointers uh, pointers and some steers and we really are uh, indebted to them for the help they can do and and with regard then the the other events that are going on in terms of promoting yeah. it and also on the day what what thoughts are you with with that as to building a whole event around it yeah so we've got a facebook group going uh, we've got over 1500 followers already in the group so there's really is a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of support for the event everybody i, I meet and bump into whether it's for my son's football or rugby or just down the, the pub everybody's always asking about oh, how you get on with the, the soapbox event you know is it coming along and there's there's a whole wealth of support and backing for it to happen so um not just with the the, the facebook group but lots of local businesses in the community as well really want to get behind it and sponsor it as well so um they obviously want to enter their own carts but what we're trying to do Ian, is is in, encourage local businesses to sponsor the building of a cart so we'll get local groups whether it be scouts or a local young football team or rugby team to build a cart and they 
they may not have the funds to do that so we can get the local business to help sponsor the getting the materials and help to build it so it can be entered in the children's event as well mm. so so how many of them are going to be powered by cheese um hopefully <laughs> uh, most of them yeah yeah we've got the, the, the main emblem of of our race is a, a cheese cart which uh, some certain gentleman sitting next to me actually drove down the hill in panath <laughs> so with regard to um i mean obviously i mean it'd be quite useful if you had a historic castle there as well that oh yes help promote it so a castle on the hill even. yeah a castle on the hill <laughs> absolutely so um with regard to the amount of actual carters now we're actually going to take pl- take part yeah have you any sort of feel for the sort of layout of the of the days are going to be one race two race we're looking to have three races a, a, a children's event maybe under 12s and so oh great so i'll be all right for that one. yeah you, yeah, you can then. you can enter there with the your stabilizers <laughs> on the cart and then we'll have a 12 to we're not quite sure 12 to 16 12 to 18 year old so a kind of a middle tier there where they can do the time trial event as well and then a grown-ups event, so the the real children. <laughs> grown-ups event, yeah. So, so they can I'm race not, their I, I won't tell training standards <laughs> use the word grown-up. There we go. Never mind. So uh, tell me something. Uh, one, one thing I'm intrigued at, we're talking about these carts. I mean, how technical, um, and I'll perhaps come back to Elliot just very briefly, <laughs> and he's laughing. I have a feeling this is not going to be very technical. I mean, you see some people's carts in, in other cart races, <laughs> And you think, wow, they've thrown everything <laughs> at that in terms of money. And I guess it's just a case that it'll be throwing some wood and some nails at some stuff sometimes. Well, what are the quality of the cards? Do they tend to sort of, you know, sort of embrace the essence of it's a laugh? Or, or do you actually get some serious ones? Um <laughs> we were chatting in the green room um, earlier. <laughs> <laughs> good, good for you, green room. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Um, <laughs> and um, we were chatting about um, the different qualities that we get, and you look at some of the carts and you think, yeah, that's not going to do very well and is the most amazing thing you've ever seen. Um, I have to give credit to... Uh, SMS window cleaning in Barry. There are other under- there, there are yeah yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> I know them as, as I, that's who yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and there's they basically cut the wheels and off a sh- shopping trolley and it's it's called supermarket sweep and it's basically a shopping trolley with mobility scooter wheels it is the best performing cart. I've seen in really, eight years. so it does go in the direction you. It's you like push a rocket. One wobbly wheel. <laughs> but then you see others that are quite high tech, and they're just they're they're flawed from day one, and they've kept building, although it's a flawed design, and they're useless. <laughs> um, I that being a technical term, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and I, I nearly forked out a hundred quid one year on ceramic bearings and then thought, no, you're taking it too seriously. Ceramic bearings. No, I don't think they should be in the same sentence, really, should they? So there we are. Right, okay, well, interesting take on that then. Um, So we've got got about a minute or two now, Sean, to wrap it up. So you obviously need, oh, I don't know, say a local local not-for-profit station to really bang the drum for you. Every time. So if anybody is sort of listening, and bearing in mind they'll be able to listen to this, if I press the right recording buttons for the next two months. So if anybody is likely to be told you will listen to this nicely, obviously, obviously. Um, what are the sort of things you would like to tell those people? So what we're looking for is obviously the help and support 
that we can get every little bit helps so whether it be just a person who's got some certain set of skills that they can come along and volunteer on the day or maybe help to talk to the local council and get some uh, additional support and, and helping with the risk assessments or wherever it might be but also the local businesses if they can help us like we're trying to say earlier with the, the sponsoring of a, of a community group to build a cart and the more people we can get involved and the more we can do for the Philly, uh, community the better the, of a day it'll be and, and obviously from the Ponapri community over this side, well, um, we might have some, you know, people from what essentially will be deemed another country well, coming over the hill. We can have some local valley rivalry, and we're all for that, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what's the best thing for you so far with regard to the reaction you got? Well, was there a moment you thought, do you know what, this is going to work? Which it is, by the way. Well, it was, it was the support. So setting up the Facebook group, in, in the first couple of days, we... we honestly hit a, a couple of hundred supporters and followers in, within the first two or three days. Within a week we were on the, the, the back end of 500 plus and then within a month you know, we were over a thousand and suddenly it's 1500 so it's the local community really getting behind the day, the events, Ian, they, they really want it to happen. Mm-hmm. And obviously international competitors like those coming from Pontypris you need to, you need to uh, embrace <laughs> as well don't you? Well we'll welcome all comers, doesn't matter if they're from Ponty or not, doesn't matter. <laughs> Where, where is the proposed route? So it's right through the centre of Caerphilly. We're starting up uh, the traffic lights, if anybody knows the town. The, the traffic lights on the top end of the town, where the hill really starts. All the way from there, right through the centre where the shops are. There's a, a good right turn and then another left turn. So it's a double bend and then we're going down the, the end hill. So we'll have a good, strong, fast runoff at the end. Mm-hmm. OK. What sort of speeds well, if do anybody... we reckon we might hit... I think we probably uh, we we actually filmed it. We we asked one of our uh, helpers and supporters in in the group. He filmed it. He owns a, a local bike shop, uh, and he put on his GoPro camera and and, and then went down the route. And he could see it from there. He's picking up a quite a lick of speed. So it shows. It's, if anybody wants to join the Facebook group, go on there and look at the video. It shows the route and the speed you'll get up. So he's just freewheeling and, he, and he's, he's zooming down. Excellent. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much both. Uh, and even oh, from that part of England that's not Penarth. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. You've been brilliant. Good luck, by the way. I might see if I can get down to enjoy yours, and maybe we can get you on again, do a little bit of promotion for you down there. All right? Um, But, Sean, GTFM's going to be there. Brilliant. And, um, yeah, uh, all the best with it, mate. Thank you very much, Ian. All the best. Thanks for your help. Thank you, gentlemen. Cheers. Playing the music of your life. This is GTFM. Right, well, there you are. My thanks to Matt Penny, Sean Dodd, uh, Elliot... And uh, in the second hour, we'll be chatting to Russell Lord on a very special Mark II Escort model. Uh, We'll be speaking to Felix Page on his Corvette and car photography. And finally, Mr James Walsh of Practical Classics. Anyway, up to the news. Must be Christmas or something. This is my favourite Christmas tune of all time. Enjoy. Across the County Borough. The world's best songs on one great radio station. GTFM, the music of your life. They said there'll be peace on earth 
Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and all you enthusiasts of the automobile. It's time for GTFM Radio to move up a gear. It's time for Driver's Seat. Your favourite monthly motoring magazine, but of course on the radio, only on GTFM 107.9 and online at gtfm.co.uk. And the man who will be keeping these things on track, GTFM's resident motoring guru, Mr Ian Edwards. Well, uh, good evening. Welcome along to the second hour of Driver's Seat. Uh, packed hour, uh, because uh, right at the end of it, I'll be speaking to James Walsh of Practical Classics. Before that, I'll be speaking to a young man by the name of Felix Page on his love of his Corvette and of taking motor cars with a camera. Right, but before that, and the man who brought you that fine track choice uh, is on the line now. Russell Lord, good evening, sir. Good evening to you, sir. Right, now then, the reason I've got you on, a lot of people, and that, by the way, is understatement, a lot of people are talking a lot about your model of your Mark II Escort. Now, uh, there's models and there's models, and you've, well, gone to town, I think would be even an understatement in that no, sense. No, I think that is a bit of an understatement. <laughs> yeah, so, um, can, can you explain to our listeners, because obviously it's a tad difficult to show them pictures of it on the radio. Yeah. Um, can you just explain what it is? Now, bearing in mind, let's put it into context. You are using platinum, silver, gold, jewels. You are putting into this vehicle, right, this model, and I, I use the word model loosely in the sense that that does it no justice whatsoever. Yeah, um, the correct terminology is actually objet d'art. Wonderful. Okay, that's fine. Well, I'll leave you explain that now, but the hours you're putting it, uh, putting into it, total 1,000 hours. Um, not quite right. No. Not quite. Oh, right. No, I'm, no, I'm, 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 why should I believe the internet? Well, okay. Yeah, Come on, then. A, give it, give a us a story as to what this model is, then, and well, how many hours is it actually going to take? Right. Well, basically, the, well, it's finished, but we, we guess between 1,500 and 2,000 hours. I can't actually say the exact amount of hours because there was nothing really written down on this. I chose to do it when I had five minutes here and there, um, but throughout the last year, I've really sped up the pace of working on the car. Um, so I would get in quite early in the morning, do a few hours before 9 o'clock of the shop, and then come shut time at 5 o'clock, I'd stay for another two or three hours every night. Right, so can, can you explain to us then the scale of the model, the detail of the model, and, and in, in the best way you can or with the radio, yeah, well, explain the essence of it? Yeah, predominantly the shell is, is silver, 925 silver, predominantly. That's most of it. So you've got the whole floor pan is silver, and the, and the shell, like the, the bonnet boot doors, wings, uh, the bonnet. But 
then you go to the engine. The engine block is predominantly silver, but the carburettors are gold. The trumpets that are on the carburettors are 18 karat white gold. You've got a dry sump pump that is in the bulkhead, which is uh, yellow gold. There's a coil, which is uh, yellow gold and white gold. The radiator is a mixture. You've got um, silver, but you've got a little gold header tank. And then you've got a little radiator cap, that's silver. But there's so many different parts of it. The distributor that I fitted into the engine is 9 karat gold. But the wires that come out of the distributor, which is your plug leads, and that go into the coil, is 18 karat yellow gold. And the bonnet hinges are 18 karat yellow gold. Um, when you go to the underneath of the car, the thing kept evolving all the time. So the cross member is silver, because that's quite a chunk of metal. But the track control arms that come out of the cross member, that go down to the uh, rod ends and the steering arms, that's all gold. Now, for me, my biggest problem that I had with making the car, there's no book to, to make this car, and you have to go by the seat of your pants. Now, if you go to the back end of the car, I made five-length boxes. They're proper boxes like you would have on a rally car, so they're proper hollowed-out boxes, made in one, two, three, four sections per box, and then they were soldered into the floor pan. But the rods that come out of them that go onto the axle are 18 karat yellow gold. The axle's yellow gold. But then I made discs. Then I made hubs. And then I made calipers. So I made quite a lot of detail to the car, and it just kept getting better and better. But one of my issues was there's no rule book for making a set of springs. So the first set of springs I made... When I turned them up and I put the whole car together, it just went straight to the floor. There was no rebound. Obviously, the springs weren't strong enough, as it were. So you have to take the whole thing apart, take those springs out, make it again and make it again and make it again. But one of the big problems that all jewelers have nowadays, um, the EU has actually banned certain metals that jewelers are allowed to work with. And one of the biggest problems that we have, we can't get hard metal anymore. So I had to get hold of three mil square metal and mill that down until I got it down to, a, uh, I think it was about 1.4 millimetres square. And then I pulled it through draw plates, which makes it into round wire. But the more you're working this metal, the harder it gets, the harder and harder to give you that spring. Are you with me? So in the end, I eventually managed to um, make it out of the, the springs out of 18 carat pink gold mm. now so, with all this details i can see where these hours have gone just to put this into context okay what is the actual scale of the car that you have clearly phenomenal detail with and i'm guessing the word i'm going to use here is perfectionist you wanted it right i just wanted it as good as i could get to my own personal capabilities mm -hmm. so what, what's that what's the scale of the car then well, a lot of people have said to me, I mean, it's, it's six and a half inches long from memory. I didn't actually work to a scale. You've got to remember, well, I don't know if you know this, Ian, but I actually started this 25 years ago. Wow, because that was my, that was the question right, you answered yeah. it. Well, wow. It, yeah, what actually happened, I started it 25 years ago uh, with the floor pan and the shell and other bits and pieces, and it was originally on leaf springs. But when I made it, um, I was, you know, sort of uh, in the early days of my marriage with my wife, but then one, two, three, four kids come along. 
you know, mortgage businesses and blah, 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 and I put it aside. Then um, we moved out of Hatton Garden three years ago on the weekend of the safety deposit robbery. On that weekend of the safety deposit robbery, which they started on the Friday, we emptied our boxes on the Thursday, which was a stroke of luck. Brought it all home, put it in the Shenfield shop, and then my son, uh, Bobby Lord, he said, Dad, what's in that box? I said, I don't know. So he opened it up. He said, bloody old Dad's car in here. I said, oh, yeah, that's right. I said, I started that about 25 years ago. He said, Dad, you've got to finish it. And I listened to him. And then it was just a venture from there on, because he's, he's the one that set me the challenge. And he said, you know, Tom and Ted, you can do this. So I thought, right, Tom and Ted, let's have a go. So I was going to say, it wasn't the case of him saying, oh, you can't do this, and that's pushing oh, you no, on. No, he was like encouraging. No. Well, no, 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 no. I've I got a father like that, who if I don't do something, he says, oh, you can't do it. And I think, oh, right, I will. No, 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 we're not like <laughs> that. the other no, way. <laughs> no, my, 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 my boy's a good boy. But he just <laughs> said, get on with it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, well, with regard to one question i got to ask, what was the actual initial catalyst? Clearly you're a lover of Mark II Escorts. Um, well, yeah. Catalyst. What was the actual catalyst that you started doing it from? You're talking about a long time ago now. <laughs> yeah, I long know. Time, I'm old as well, so don't ago. worry. Yeah, yeah. Long time ago. But basically, it's because I've been in love with the escorts all my life because I term them as being just a people's car that any average joke can go and buy. But if you take them rallying, you put them in the forest, you can have a lot of fun with them. And I've just, I've, I mean, I've still got four now. So, you know, I, I love the little things. And I've called it the Rascal. Now, I actually based this car on Ari Vatnan's car that he um, rallied in the mid to late 70s when he drove for Ford. So he drove a, a very famous car, a Rockman's car, and that's what I based this on. And I've been trying to get hold of Ari Vatanen all year. And he's just an incredibly difficult man to get hold of because he's a, he's, a, he's a popular man. Oh, absolutely. A really nice car, man. I've met him briefly in the actually photobomb where we were doing a bit of filming up with um, Overdrive UK. So maybe I shall have a word with a few people up at Race Retro. He rang me last night. Oh, oh, we've had a news update. Right, newsflash. Come on then, so what's happening? What did he say? Um, He was absolutely delightful. I can't, honestly, I was, I had goosebumps throughout my whole body. Because when you've grown up and you've got an idol... Some people might have Elvis Presley or whoever, but Ari Vatanen to me was a man that knew how to pedal a Mark II Escort, and his commitment to every bend was just phenomenal. When he rang me last night, I, well, I knew who he was obviously straight away, but <laughs> it was, oh, I, I can't put it into words, but I was on the phone to him for 40 minutes. Wow. And then, bless his heart, he did a video for me that we're going to put up on our Facebook tomorrow, not tonight, but we're going to do it tomorrow. Um, and the words that he used, um, I, 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 I can't explain it because I've been wow. choked up. And, and the, the big thing is, the big thing, and, and I found this from rally drivers time and time and time again. I was listening, I was lucky enough to interview Renault Alton, and I know I keep trolling that one out, but come on, Renault Alton. And, and they're salt of the earth, aren't they? They are lovely, lovely people. Well, he, he is. I mean, for him to take the time out last night, because um, he found out about the car of, just of late, and he rang me as, as soon as he became aware of it. So he, he, he said to me last night, he said, I believe you've called the car the rascal. I said, I have. It's just an affectionate nickname I've called the car, and the car is known as the rascal. Um, but 
for me last night, honestly, I just cannot put that into words. It's um, it's been the icing on the cake. So what Harry's agreed to do now, he's going to send over a, um, a letter of authenticity saying to me, um, like now Agile is Lord of London, so he's going to say, Lord of London, you have my um, consent from Harry Vattenen and his signature. We're going to make a silver plaque. Well, I'm going to make it tomorrow as soon as I get the email from him so I can copy his signature and I'll ex- copy exact every single word he does. Harry writes it into silver and that will go with the car. Well, that, that's just doubled its price. You know, I mean, you've done a phenomenal job, but Harry Vattenen giving the OK on it, as oh. approved by Phenomenal. Well done, mate. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah uh, that, that is how I feel because... When you've been trying to do something, I mean, look, I didn't do this for, for, initially, I only wanted to do the car for me. Initially, when you go back 25 years ago, when Bob found it and he said, come on, Dad, you do this, I thought, right, get on with this. But then the reason that I've done this for charity is that I had this lad come into my shop and he said, Russ, can you sell my Rolex for me? I said, yeah, of course I can, Paddy, I'll put it out for sale for you. I got his money. I rang him up and said, Pat, I got your money. He said, well, how much did you get for it? I think, I can't remember, about five or six grand. I said, I've sold your watch, Paddy. I said, do you want to give me your account details? He said, oh, I don't want the money. Give it to a kid's charity. <sighs> wow. Now, the feeling that I got from that, the way he made me feel, it shocked me to the core. So I thought, right, I'm going to do this car for charity. And honestly, God's honest truth. This is the best thing I've ever made. And the feel-good factor that I've had from it and from other people supporting me in what I'm doing, um, you, 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 I, I can't put this into words. It's just been, it's been overwhelming for me because I'm just a bloke that goes to work every day that makes jewellery every single day and of an evening I'm doing what I love. And then the next minute um, I'm doing this for charity and I've got all the support from literally throughout the world which is just, um, I had no idea it was going to be anything like this. Well, Russell, what I would say, you've certainly got my support as well, and this will be on, uh, this will be on uh, SoundCloud, uh, hopefully for about two months. But what we've got to do is get you back on, and uh, when it's sold, to, uh, to see what you've actually done the result of. And I guess letting it go, that'll be emotional for you as well, but well, knowing well, that you've got a huge... And any particular charity, by the way, that you've well, got in we've, mind? We've, we've charities I think on board now because I've got an head like a sieve my daughter Jessica just said to me I'll send you a text then so you don't forget now we've got um, the Maddie Foundation which is a young lady that's um, she's not well bless her heart I won't go into that but she needs help we've got two local local charities to where we are in Brentwood which is BOSP in Billericay um, and SNAP is another one which I like and SNAP stands for Special Needs and parents. So if the if the, the the mother is alone and there's no backup as such, that charity helps the parents out, put clothes on her back, feed her, whatever. I like that. I think that's a good thing. Um, we've got another one, meningitis now. And the guy that's auctioning the car for us has agreed to do it for nothing. Now, that's, again, it's another one that's just come on board and bless his heart, he's, he's helping us out um, but he's got a local charity that he, I think it's called Helen Douglas, so we're going to give to that as well. 
So wow. it's a case of spreading it all around. Wow, OK. To, to, to wrap it up then, I, I think certainly your reaction in how you feel that good, good feel-good factor. Um, if anybody who's listening now would like to make a difference in people's lives, what piece of advice would you give them to say, do it, in a sentence? There's nothing... It's very difficult for me to put it into words. Just do it. Just do I, it. I've never... Honestly, the, the, the fact of it is I've never done anything charitable really in my life, apart from uh, when I was a kid, I used to help out mentally handicapped kids. But that's when I was 18, 19. But as I've got into adult life, I've never done it. But it was Paddy that when he said to me, give the money to kids, I thought, I've got to do this. And honestly, if anyone's out there that wants to do something, the feedback that you get is just phenomenal. You know, in, 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 it's, it's a buzz every day. When I come home every night, I must answer 80 messages an evening, uh, as, a, as a guess. Um, sometimes it's 150 um, but I've got a lot of messages that I have to answer every single night, and the feel-good factor is brilliant, but there's just one person I must mention. One person. Go on, man. I've gone, I'm on Facebook, and there's this young lad called Gary Lodge. He's the one that's helped push this old car throughout the world for me, and he's a peach. He's a peach of a boy, and he's, he's helped me massively. So it's a big thumbs up to Gary Lodge down in Exeter. Wonderful. Well, there you are. Well, Gary Lodge has got a got a mention, and that yeah. mention will be on the internet, and you can listen to it again. Russell, enormous respect for you, mate. You've Thank done you. a fantastic job, Thank you. and actually, um, it's helping other people can actually change and and improve your own life. And yeah. I will finish with this, Russell. I didn't know you today. I know you now. Thank you very much for Thank giving you. us your time Not and actually making this a real. 2018, probably the feel-good story of the year. Thanks a lot, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Mark Daniel of the South Wales Classic Car Club, and you're listening to Driver's Seat with Ian Edwards on GTFM 107.9. Now then. All I did when I was I was getting a tune, I was told by by Mr. Felix Page, who's opposite me. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Ian. Yeah, right now, then I, I was I was I was asked for a particular tune of which we didn't have, so I thought, oh, this will be a bit of fun. And no word of a lie, you started laughing very loudly. Uh, so can you tell me the exact reason why you're laughing loudly? Apart from the fact that all I knew you had a Corvette, so <coughs> my baby is American made. And then you gave me another piece of information, which is well, my partner's from New York as well. High <laughs> <laughs> five to me! <laughs> right, okay, we got about nine minutes, so. Let's get on with this now then. Photography and cars. How did that come about? Well, I've always been interested in cars ever since I was a kid. I guess like most people in cars, you couldn't really pinpoint when you started liking them. It's just a thing that's ever-present, really. And then um, I used to go to lots of car racing with my dad and take photographs of the car racing. And I really got interested in photography then. And, um, yeah, school didn't offer a photography course. But I was set, and my art teacher was really supportive and he was told me about different courses so i ended up going to university to study photography so so with regard then have you any particular type of photography in terms of the cars or do you take parts of cars um is it 
you know, with all the different settings on the camera. What style? Because we had James Oversteer on, who still wouldn't tell me his surname, um, a couple of while back, and he likes painting with light or lack yeah. of in the evening. What What is your the essence of your love of photography and cars? I'm more interested in the human relationship with cars as well and how people would fit in with them if maybe their car reflects their personality or not and a bit beyond I think if you're just photographing cars as they are that's great but you're almost like stamp collecting and I think it's nice to look a bit deeper and um, see a bit more so it's it's reflecting in some way then the actual passion of the person say if they're doing something or they're polishing their car or that sort of essence or 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 an overall picture of people together what what sort of thing is it yeah and perhaps the space i did lots of um features before called the lockup where it would be people's garages and the space that they'd work on their cars and it was almost like their own space so, a bit so, of a the, old, so the old man cave then basically and in, in essence isn't it with the lockup and, and yeah exactly and then you could see a bit more about the person behind the car i suppose i found that interesting mm. so i mean i mean again i mean this is it i mean people ask me about the show and i say well the essence of this show is not so much the cars but actually as to how the the, the person reacts with the car, how the how the person's passionate about the car, it reflects them. So I guess in photography terms, you kind of do the same as I do, but I do it verbally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. That's it exactly. Yeah. And 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 with regard to um, your work being published now, then I mean, what, what what have you managed to do in terms of getting your car related stuff out there in the big wide world? Well, at university, my final year, we had a year to work on a project, and I thought of uh, photographing car boot sales, and I was just trying to get cars in there somehow, and my tutor said, well, Felix, you're interested in cars, you should just go and photograph cars. And so I did a big project on people sat in their cars, and I lit it up with studio lights and everything. So it was quite glossy, the images, but then it had that sort of personal edge, whether it would be like someone in Pontypridd in their little vintage Porsche sat outside or someone in a Ferrari outside the big house you would kind of look behind and see like a real scene there and then from that um, one magazine saw the images and commissioned a feature and from there I just started photographing more basically Um, And with regard then, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to photograph cars? I don't know, like, moi. Um, (laughs) With regard, what would you say that you look for, or is it very much an individual and and you're capturing a moment in time as well, aren't you? I mean, that moment is never going to happen again, isn't it? Yeah, well, I'd say practice, practice, practice. But also, have a look at the images you like and think, why do I like that? And then try and like deconstruct it yourself and think, well, how have they done that? And look at those different elements. And another thing that can be really useful is, well, contact someone who photographs cars. And another pair of hands is always useful. Mm. And people would be happy to have an assistant. Yeah. And do, do you find then as well that you, you know, I mean, it happens to me more and more, and, and you're right about the practice, the more you do it, the more you love it. Um, in the sense that, do you find yourself going around, particularly at a car show, and you look at something and you've already framed it in your mind, you just click the camera, and yeah, it's like, absolutely. oh yeah, that's a picture, and you're doing it before you pick the camera up. Yeah, definitely. And then there are days when you've made a photograph, and you know you've already made your best photograph that day, which is a great feeling, but then you're sort of <laughs> wandering around thinking, 
well, yeah, this is okay, but it's not what I just got then. So. Well, that's right. I mean, it, it's one of those that it, it's... Well, there you are, in the same way as when I've interviewed people. I've been at a car event, and a classic example was Renault Elton, and I'm going to name drop him again, I don't care. Um, it was right at the end of Race Retro in 2009. I mean, it was like five o'clock. You know, I'd been all day wandering around, and he said, oh, you can come back and interview me, and I'd done nothing all day. And again, very much with, with taking pictures of cars, it's that one shot, isn't it? That one shot that you never know might be right at the end of the day, and it's just off the cuff and, you know, rather than having to spend 20 minutes getting a shot together, sometimes it's the little click that that works. Yeah, exactly. You have to be there and you have to make those opportunities. And I think that's another important thing to remember is it's not really about the equipment so much. You could, you know, have an amazing kitchen, but if you can only cook beans on toast, well, it doesn't really matter. So Love it's the same analogy. thing, really. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I mean, all gear, no idea, isn't it? You know, with the, with the golf and stuff. No, you're absolutely right. Is that you, you've got to be, dare I say, an artist. You've, you've got to know what you're doing, isn't it? You know? Yeah, and to be constantly looking for new work, seeing what other people are doing, and then seeing you can get inspiration from all kinds of places. And you'd see, like, maybe you'd see a film and you think, wow, I love that bit. I mean, I'm probably not alone. If you watch a film, you're always looking at the cars and the car parts. And then you might think, oh, I like the way that was lit then or how that was presented. And then you think, oh, I wonder how I could do that. Mm-hmm. OK. Now then, of all the cars in all the world, Corvette. Uh, now, you had the Corvette, you told me, before your partner. Yeah, that's right. So. <laughs> <laughs> OK, right. So talk us through the Corvette then. I mean, where did that passion come from? Or how drunk were you when you bought it? You tell me. <laughs> well, I'd had a few starter classics before the Corvette, um, the Porsche 94, which was fantastic. But The one with the van engine. Oops. Uh, <laughs> but it's another <laughs> van engine. We'll have a whole argument about that later. Right. <laughs> but um, I'd, I'd had three of those, and that introduced me to the world of like classic cars and all sorts, really. Um, but I fancied a change, and I always liked the 80s Corvette but I wanted the manual gearbox, which was really hard to find, especially in the UK. <clears throat> and I was at, there's a good um, car meter from Bristol Queen Square, and I was wandering around, and there was one there with a sign in the window saying, it's for sale, call Pete. So I phoned him, had a look, and I bumped into someone else then with a, a similar model, and I said, oh, how, you know, how viable is this? Oh, I use mine every day, it'll be fine, they're great cars. And, of course, I'd already decided, like, heart overhead. And then um, two days later, it was outside the house. So what's the experience of actor? Do you use it every day? And what's your experience for actually living with it? Is it, is it? is it the car you've always wanted it to be, then? Are you not disappointed? Oh, it's, it's fantastic fun every time you take it out. And I think other people really love it as well, which is a nice thing. There's no jealousy. Everyone, when they see it, you, they know that you like it and they sort of have enthusiasm as well and because of that um mm. any particular moment now just to wrap up because ironically i met you two years ago when practical classics came to south wales for their cafe tour tour and i'm actually going to be having james walsh on now hopefully the other side of some howard jones so in any particular moment you had that car and you've just been a punch in the ear moment going oh that was great any particular moment um yeah i took it to spa um, to watch a six-hour endurance race, and I took my dad, and we'd planned to do it. We did it two years before when I had a Porsche Turbo, but the head gasket blew a week before, so it was always unfinished business because we ended up getting into Renault again. So to take him on that trip for a week, it was great to spend quality time with him, 
the car didn't let us down and driving back onto the ferry it was a real great continental adventure we had together brilliant felix we've got to get you on again thank you very much we should have longer i could lock the studio door i will get into trouble but felix page thank you very much indeed from Practical Classics. You're listening to Driver's Seat with Ian Edwards on GTFM 107.9. And on the line, Mr James Walsh. Good evening, sir. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm fine. Ever the professional, just as well you were on the phone. I, I nearly dropped the ball there, but there you are. Never mind. You're on. You're great. <laughs> right. Now then, we have got something like eight minutes for you to shamelessly plug and make sure that every Welsh car classic car club votes for their classic car club in Wales to make sure I can actually get you in the GDFM studios next May. So tell us all about it, please, Mr. Walsh. Well, you know, um, every year we go on a big tour of Britain and uh, we uh, it's all about, uh, you know, trying to get as many people with classic cars out and about as possible. And uh, this is the third year we've done this particular um, effort. And uh, so the first year, two years ago, we decided to go in search of Britain's best roadside cafe. Last year, uh, we decided to put a spin on it and uh, go and find uh, Britain's best classic car destination. Uh, so the best place to take your classic car with your, your mates. Um, and this year, what we've decided to do is look at, uh, you know, finding the best uh, classic car clubs in Britain. There are so many. You know, for our view, uh, as Practical Classics view, is that the... the, the the classic car scene doesn't exist without clubs. Clubs are the lifeblood of, of the classic car scene. If you want some advice on buying uh, a particular car, uh, you know, you, you go to your classic car club. You go to, uh, uh, to ask them advice on the sort of things to look for when you buy the car. Likewise, when you actually own a classic car, um, you, you, you can uh, uh, go out and uh, spend time with fellow enthusiasts and their, uh, and their cars with your car. So we want to celebrate those clubs. We want to, 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 to go around Britain to, to the most voted for classic car clubs and, uh, and, 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 and celebrate them. Um, now, we're doing it this year with um, classic, so between regional and local clubs. We're not talking single manufacturers uh, clubs. We're, we're talking about um, local clubs which uh, gather together all sorts of different classic cars. You know, it could be Ford, could be Austin, could be Triumph, could be BMW, anything. Um, because we feel strongly that actually these clubs are not celebrated enough. Um, I was in West Wales recently. I was in Pembrokeshire. Uh, they've got a lovely car club in, in Pembrokeshire. Uh, they've got a lovely car club in the far north of Scotland called the Case Ness and Sutherland Ca uh, Classic Car Club. And they get together, uh, all of them, uh, from around the area uh, and uh, on a regular basis. So we're really excited about travelling the length and breadth of, of the UK. But what we need people to do first is to vote for their favourite classic car club, regional or local. And I know uh, there are many 
in South Wales. We have, uh, you know, we've, we've always had a fantastic response and we fully expect uh, you guys there to be on, on the map this year um, for your passion and enthusiasm uh, and uh, hopefully a big turnout of cars when we come to visit in June. But first things first, we need people to vote on the Practical Classics website. Uh, for theirs and tell us all about the club and why it's the best and i've just realized now um the 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 voting is open until the third of january isn't it it is indeed that is actually the first thursday in january (laughs) i can see somebody (laughs) popping up again if they're that quick developing the the um the actual um you know the actual results Absolutely. Well, you know, it's going to be a really good one this year. Once we've chosen, the, you know, once we've uh, we've got our shortlist, our team of judges will choose um, the top thirty, and then that thirty will be put out to uh, to, to to the public vote uh, in the new year, and uh, we will whittle them all down eventually to ten of the best in the country, and we will visit each and every one of those ten. We're going to do it in uh, over a two-week period. Uh, realising, of course, we may well be ending up anywhere from Cornwall to Scotland, from uh, Wales to, to Kent to East Anglia. You know, you, you know, we're going to be all over the place, so we're going to need two weeks to do that. It's going to be in June, uh, so we're going to hopefully. Right. Get well, that what are there. the dates in June then that are are projected as the, as the the fortnight? At this place, this stage, the last week of June and the begin, the first week of July. Right. So it's right at the very okay. end of June. And that, those dates will be confirmed, of course, and the route will be confirmed as well at the Practical Classics Restoration Show in March. So we've got our big NEC uh, show in Birmingham in March, and uh, we'll be announcing the, uh, the final uh, 10 and the route at the big show uh, on March 22nd. And, and how is this voting going to take place? Is it literally you'll take it area by area? Because obviously you've got three clubs in one area. Are you going to break it down so that every area gets its chance? Yes, I think we'll work it through that way. I mean, you know, we've got to be fair at the end of the day and make sure that, uh, you know, the the most voted four clubs are the winners. Um, But, you know, we will look at case-by-case basis because we realise that, uh, you know, there, there, there may well be a number of clubs joining forces in certain regions of the UK. Uh, it can happen that way. So, you know, but as I say, we, we aim to do everything as fairly and openly and transparently as possible um, because, you know, we want as many people involved and to bring in as many people as we possibly can. We're looking to really create the, the biggest open-air classic car show perhaps in, in the UK on this one because last year's was pretty big and uh, it, can, it, it seems to be getting bigger and bigger every year. Mm. So so with regard last year now, then we'll go back to that and you enjoyed Elan Valley last year and I wasn't able to make that. That was incredible. You know, yeah. Wales always puts on a great show for us. And do you know what? The funny thing was, we uh, the weather, we set off last year from Bista. We went to Brooklands. Um, we went around the London area. Then we went down to Bewley. And we went to Yeovil, to the uh, Haynes Motor Museum. We went all over the place in the south of England. And we then began our trek north. And... We went in through Wales, so we went via um, South Wales, came across the bridge, and then went up um, uh, up through into uh, the Elan Valley, and then west out up into Snowdonia. Um, uh, we, you know, it, we did a, a, a large portion of Wales. I, t- I kid you not, around about halfway across the old Severn Bridge, which is our favourite. It, it is, complete to, with, it, I was going to say, complete with Citroën Diane with the open roof. Of course, absolutely, <laughs> no question. But 
you know what happened? And I think you know what, what I'm going to tell you here. We got halfway across the bridge, just short of the, uh, the, the second tower, and it started to rain. And it did not stop raining for the next two days, all the way through Wales. And, where, you know, this, uh, it's fine. There's something about Wales in the rain. It was green. It was lush. It was beautiful. And, you know, after ser- some seriously hot sunshine, we were all just standing out in this Welsh rain in the Elan Valley, just having an amazing time. There's something about Wales. It doesn't matter whether it's sunny, whether it's raining. We just love it. It's an amazing place. Right, OK, well, I can't follow that, because I was going to ask, what's with your best moment? You've given it to you me. You know, we, we, I have to say, we went, to, we went all over the place. We, we, we went all over the place. I have to say, it was nice. You know, a couple of great museums. We went to the Lakeland Museum, which was our eventual winner uh, in Cumbria. And it was great to be up in the mountains there, because it was a clear blue sky. And, you know, we got some great photographs of the magazine. But, you know, it's we, it, 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 everywhere we went, we had a great response. And uh, but you know that that moment in Wales, it was almost like that bit in Shawshank Redemption where he gets out of the drain and he stands there in the sun, in in the rain, in the torrential rain. That's what that was us in the middle of Wales. <laughs> okay, I shall give you thirty seconds, James. You've been awesome as usual. Thirty seconds. Bearing in mind we've got no time at all. Um, how to vote and where to vote. Right. Get yourself to practicalclassics.co.uk. Uh, when you go to practicalclassics.co.uk, you'll see Britain's Best Classic Car Clubs page right there. Um, all you do is you register, and uh, it doesn't cost you anything. There's nothing like that. You get on there, you vote for your favourite club. You tell us a little bit about the club and why it's so great, and then you click send, and then you have officially entered the club. You get all your friends to do it, everyone you know with a classic car. Uh, get them onto that, that webpage at uh, practicalclassics.co.uk. Excellent. James, have a lovely Christmas. Uh, um, what is your current set of wheels that you're using at the moment? Uh, I have a Volvo, actually. I've, I've about bought myself a £300 Volvo S80. It was about to be scrapped. It's the great big Volvo from the uh, late 90s. And I know it all sounds a bit modern, really. But you know what? What an amazing car for 300 quid. This is what's happening at the moment. Cars like that are being thrown away willy-nilly because we're all being told to go and buy new cars. And so, as a consequence, these brilliant old barges are being chucked away. Well, I've taken advantage of that. I've got this thing. And you know what? One of the best cars I've owned. Fantastic machine. James, thank you very much. You've summed up the classic car movement practical classics car movement in a nutshell and yes it may be modern but it's still classic and james i shall see you in 2019 you take care have a very 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 merry christmas and you mate bye-bye bye for now starting your christmas shopping did you know that you can support gtfm while you're doing that Easy Fundraising is a website dedicated to helping charities like ourselves. All you need to do is head on over to www.easyfundraising.org. Search GTFM Radio, register for free, and online shop as normal at no extra cost. Every time you shop, retailers will make a small donation to say thank you. It couldn't be easier. So why not do it today and support your local radio station, GTFM? Okay, well, that's me almost done. And uh, But before I go, of course, uh, and close the driver's seat garage door, my thanks to my guests, James Walsh, Felix Page, Russell Lord, Sean Dodd, Elliot, and 
Matt Penny. Uh, up next year on GTFM is the Fox The Rocks. Mr Andy Fox with The Rock Show till midnight. The next edition of Driver's Seat will be on the first Thursday in January. That's the third. Again from seven till nine. And again it be twinned with uh, the Boston Classic Car Club. So in the meantime, don't forget to check out the official Driver's Seat GTFM radio Facebook page. And as for me, I'll be back on GTFM this Saturday on the season ticket talking all things Norse Gallon. So until then, good night.